Ephesians, as I've mentioned, served as this umbrella as we've been talking about these lifestyle commitments that we wrote into our Constitution over the last year. We've written in um, these lifestyle commitments, these, these beliefs, these ways of living that we feel like people who, who say, I want to be a member, I want to join with this body, some, some ways of living that we think should be incorporated, that really should encompass, much better word than incorporated, should, should encompass, should, should dominate all of our life and what it means for us to be Christ followers and to do that as a church together. Last week, we talked about the idea of being on a personal journey of spiritual formation. We talk about a journey a lot. We talk about discipleship a lot. And the way that we've written this personal piece into our Constitution is this. It says that we'll be committed to whole life discipleship. Through practicing spiritual disciplines, growing in knowledge and faithfulness to Christ's likeness, and adopting a way of life that encourages becoming all God has created each member to be. We challenged you last week to uh, to plan a date with Jesus, to spend some time in the presence of God. If you can do it every day, do it every day. If, it, if it's happening weekly right now, that's all right. But begin to walk in knowing that every relationship looks different. Everyone that we have, and therefore each of our relationships with Christ, look different. But what we're called to is not a religion, but a relationship. And what does it mean to think about our spiritual disciplines in a less religious way, and a more relational way. Man, I'd love to hear your stories. And I was going to say, just, just share them with me now. How'd it go? Did you have a date with Jesus? But uh, reality is, if I do that, then we'll never get done in here. So we're going to save that for our small group time. We want you to come and participate and share what that experience was like for you this week. But here's the reality of, of this, this idea of personal transformation and whole life discipleship. Doing that on our own is not enough to establish a kingdom. And that seems to be what Jesus' consistent calling in the scriptures was. Jesus was constantly calling and declaring and casting vision for what he called a new kingdom, a new community, a new family. So we, we take this personal faith that we're on, this journey that we're on, and we bring it together with the body. And together we go on a communal journey of faith, a journeying forward together. I read you a quote last week that we feel like is, is kind of a framework for much of what we've been talking about. It's from Robert Mulholland's book, Invitation to a Journey. It says this, our spiritual journey, while it is unique to each of us as an individual member of the body of Christ, is not an isolated pilgrimage, but as part of a sort of, of caravan with the diverse members of the body. And because we believe that that statement is true, because I believe that that's what the book of Ephesians and over and over again throughout the scriptures is saying, that's how we landed on the idea of the second commitment that we ask of people who want to journey with us. The second one says this, it says that we ask for a commitment of investment in the Valley family through sacrificial giving of time, talents, and finances. Again, this is all in the Constitution and bylaws that you guys saw, read, approved over the last few months. Um, but this is written there. I'm reading straight from that. In a book called A Fellowship of Difference, T.S., Put that screen up so they can see it because I know it gets confusing every time I say it. Um, I've, read, I've, I've read some quotes to, 
from this to you several times over the last few months as I've been working through the book. But one of the things that Scott McKnight says is this. The second most important term in the Bible is people. Now he goes on and puts in parentheses as you see there. It's people of God is what he's referring to. But, but people is the second most important term in all of the scriptures. Now, there's three separate but overlapping entities that tend to be talked about or described when this is mentioned in the scriptures. We find Israel, we find kingdom, we find church. Over and over again throughout the scriptures, there is this command, this calling, this imperative, this expectation of the coming together of the people of God. The gathering of the faithful. Reality is when the scriptures don't mandate the idea that the church will be coming together as a community, it's because it's simply assumed that that would be the case. There's nowhere in scripture that we can find, that we can point to, even though as, as Americans, especially as Westerners, we talk a lot about this individual faith idea. There's nowhere in the scriptures that we can find the idea that this spiritual journey is a solo journey. There's nowhere that even alludes to the idea. As a matter of fact, there's nowhere in Scripture that even assumes that the spiritual journey could be done as a solo expedition. It is always tied to community. It is always plural. It is always talking about the people coming together. As we journey in faith, we do so as community. We do so as the church. We do so as the family because we need each other to be all that God has created us to be. So this idea of of whole life discipleship is because, yes, we do believe that it's important for each of us to take responsibility of our own relationship with Christ. Nobody else can do it for you. Each of us have to be investing time in the presence of Jesus, room for the spirit to bring transformation in our own lives. We have to be growing deeper and deeper in our commitment and our relationship with Christ. And yet we don't do so for the sake of ourselves. Our own growing in faith is not so that each individual can have a better life. Although that tends to be true, that as an individual grows closer to Jesus, life becomes better. But it's not so that the individual can become all that they're supposed to be alone. Although that too tends to be true. As we spend more and more time in relationship with Christ, more and more room for the Holy Spirit to transform us, we become more and more the individual that we're supposed to be. But that's not the purpose. That's not the intention. That's not why we believe it exists or why we call people to it. We do so because the People, the second most important term that McKnight referred to, the people need each of us in our most transformed states. The church needs me. The church needs you fully transformed into the image of Christ. I grow because you need me to. You grow in faith in whole life discipleship because I need you to. We grow because we need each 
other to be growing and becoming more like Christ all the time. So this personal journey comes together with this communal journey, both pursuing transformation in our own lives and in our life together as the body, as the church. We find out that throughout the scriptures, God is committed to community. Over and over again, it's reiterated. Over and over again, there's this this understanding that community is the commitment of God. In the later New Testament, we find it painted as the church. In Jesus' teaching over and over again, it's the illustration of the kingdom of God. In the Old Testament, it's the calling together of Israel, of the people of God as one united people under the leadership of God. All the way back in the creation story, we find that that Adam and Eve were created to be community together. And that they were called to be community with all of creation as they ruled over and protected and provided for all that God had given them. This community illustration and metaphor and calling is consistent throughout scripture. Even before that, we find that the very person of God exists as community. Before Scott McKnight talks about the second most important term, he talks about the first most important term in the scriptures. It says the most important term in the Bible is God. And we can break that one term into three. Father, Son, and Spirit. God is each one. God is all three. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all three are God alone. All three are God together. Each has distinct roles. Each functions differently in the Godhead and the understanding of who God is and how God moves. Each has unique ways of impacting the church and the believer. And yet they are dependent upon one another. God is dependent upon God's self as God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. This commitment to community is revealed in the very existence of the way God exists. It's revealed as this constant calling together of the people of God. It's revealed as the way that God desires to partner with people. God is committed to the family, the body, the church, the people who've come together to follow after him. So our whole life discipleship is this constant commitment that you and I make to be available, to be in the presence of Christ. Believing that life in the presence of Christ brings transformation. The Holy Spirit begins to transform us and then we find coming to life inside of us what Galatians calls the fruits of the Spirit. Love and joy, peace and patience, kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. These characteristics that come out of us. I can't imagine a person that doesn't long for those. And the scriptures tell us they only come to full fruition if the Holy Spirit is bringing transformation in us. Ephesians speaks to what the Spirit does as transformation comes by talking about the gifts. It also happens in Corinthians and elsewhere throughout Paul's letters as we get these mention of gifts and what they look like. Chapter 4, verse 7, it said this, However, he has given each one of us a special gift. The best word, the best translation there is a special grace through the generosity of Christ. 
But these gifts don't exist so that you and I can create or form personal kingdoms. They're not about personal agendas. They're not about personal powers. They're not about what we can do, what we can do or establish. These gifts exist for the sake of the communal people of God, for the benefit of the church, for the unity of the church. Beautiful piece of what comes to play in the reality of different gifts. And it's not hard for us to look around and see that our gifts are different, right? This means yes. This means no. This one kind of means I, I'm, I was gone long ago. I don't even know what you're talking about. The reality of each of our different gifts is that we are gifted differently because it forces us to be dependent on one another. None of our gifts is sufficient alone to carry the body forward. Now think about dependency for a moment. It's this really odd thing, isn't it? Dependency has this ability to create all kinds of conflict. It does so in our households. It does so in our workplaces. It does so in friendships. It does so in the church. It creates all of this conflict when we're dependent on one another. Because it, it leaves all this room for our own pride and selfishness to begin to creep up and dominate what's happening. Some of us, as we are dependent on one another, we still wrestle with our own pride issues. And because of our pride issues, we believe that my gift is more valuable than your gift. Because of our pride issues, we believe that, that because of my gift, I'm more important in the body of Christ than you are. I'm more important to the community than you are. And when it's not pride, it's often selfishness. We believe that we have these gifts, these graces, and I have my gifts for my benefit. They're so that I can do better, so that I can be better. Selfishness also shows itself in, in other regards because we start to believe that your gifts exist for me. You have your gifts for my sake, so that I can become all that God has created us to be. And this pride and this selfishness crop up and they begin to just leak out of us because we all wrestle with those realities. And yet because we're dependent on one another, all this conflict gets stirred up and all these frustrations and disappointments. Dependency pushes on this deep longing inside of each of us to be independent. We love independence. And we long for it. And yet if we're dependent on one another, it pushes up against that. It rubs on it in ways that are uncomfortable. It rubs on our desire to be self-reliant. Pushes against our hatred of actually needing other people. And yet what we learn the more and more that we allow ourselves as individuals to be in the presence of Christ and what we learn more and more as we come into the presence of the body is that we are in fact dependent. We are dependent on Jesus. We need each other. We are created to be dependent on Christ and the body of Christ. Because here's the flip side of dependency. When dependency is done rightly, 
it creates this beautiful unity. When we're willing to, to, to move aside our own pride, our own selfishness, when we let the Spirit bring transformation, which, which wipes those things away, then we find out that this dependency gives us the opportunity to truly be loved and to love other people. It brings for us the room to serve and be served for others. It creates in us the opportunity to be the church, to be the people brought together on a journey with Christ. To be the people brought together with a shared longing to bring about the kingdom of God as earth, on earth, as it is in heaven. So the church, the community, the family, we need more than just attenders who show up from time to time. More than consumers who are interested in coming and getting what they can get, taking what they can take. More than window shoppers who just look from the outskirts. We need people who aren't so focused on what they get from being a part of the community. What they get from being a part of worship. What they get out of a song or a sermon or a small group or a Bible study. We need a people who are willing to be focused on what it means for the community to work together as the body of Christ. As the new family of Jesus. As the church. We need people who are willing to invest in the Valley family. Investment means that we bring our resources. The fruits of the Spirit that are in us, we bring to the body. The the spiritual gifts that are alive in us, any kind of gifts or abilities. Our time, our talents, our finances, our possessions. Everything that we have, we bring those things and we generously hand them over to the community of Christ. We generously put those in the hands of the body, believing that they exist for the benefit of the kingdom. That they are a gift from God. We invest because we believe these resources have been given to us by God. That these resources, as I said, exist for the betterment of the community. They exist for the church. We bring these things. We invest in these ways because we believe that as the new family of Jesus, we exist to love God and others well. And church... Love shares. Love is generous. Love is selfless. Love is others focused. And we have been asked to come and love well. Which means come together and share. Which means fully participate by giving and using all we have for the community and for the glory of Christ. We've been called to come and have skin in the game So we each come, we each worship, we each grow, we each serve, we each give. And in our doing so, we create the community that Christ seeks, the community that Christ has called out, the community that Paul continued to write about in his letters, the community that we see throughout the scriptures. So this morning, in in the last couple minutes that I'm up here, I want to challenge you with the idea of investing in valley. What do you have 
to invest in our family? Are you giving all that you can? As you think about your talents, are you using all of the talents, all of the abilities, all the gifts that you have and bringing them into the body of Christ and and releasing them for the body to use them? Are there certain things that you're holding on to that it's time to release for the family to use? Are are there certain things that, that, that you're afraid to hand over to the body because you're not sure how they'll be received? How they'll be used? Or or maybe even how they'll be beneficial. What are the talents in you that you can invest in the family? As you think about time, are you prioritizing an investment of your time into the body of Christ? Statistics today. Say that the average church member, these aren't just people who pop in and out once in a while. These are the people who would call themselves actively involved in the life of a church. The statistics say that the people who would say, I am actively involved in this church, show up twice a month, give or take. That's what the stats say. Now, I'm not pointing this out because I have any intention to move towards some kind of legalism that says you need to be here every time the doors are open or something's broken in your relationship with Jesus. That's not where we're going. The intention is not to guilt you into the idea that you're supposed to always be here no matter what you can't ever miss because we need to count you. No, you've completely missed the point if that's where you run with these statistics and these ideas and what's happening. Here's what the scriptures tell us. The scriptures tell us that the church is dependent on your gifts. And because of that, when you aren't here, we are a lesser version of ourselves. Because we don't have you in our presence. We are in some way lacking or struggling when we don't have you and the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given you in the midst of our body. Now, let me be honest. That's true whether you're showing up or not. If you're showing up but holding on to your gifts, we are a lesser version of ourselves because you aren't releasing who Christ has created you to be. For the sake of the body. So we need you present. And we need you using your talents and your gifts among us. Talents. Finances. Sorry. Yeah. Talents. Talents. Time. Finances are the three things we specifically mention in the Constitution. Believing that they kind of encompass a a wide range of what we need from our body. Because we need you to invest your finances in the life of what's happening with the church. Now here's where some of you knew we were going when you even saw the title investment, right? Here we go. Preacher's going to ask for money. That's right. And let me tell you, there is no time I like asking for money better than right now. Because I've seen the end of the year report, which says we had a $40,000 swing from what we expected to finish the year in. So we went from finishing the year $20,000 in the negative to finishing it nearly that much in the positive. Completely unexpected. Not sure how it happened other than God showed up and you were generous. That's, that's the only way I know how to define it. 
We spent less than we expected. We saw more given than we expected. And God showed up in beautiful ways. But we need you to continue to invest your finances in the life of Valley. If you haven't seen it yet in the mail or giving statements, they're coming to you to show you what you gave in 2017. And over the last few years, we've been asked to give with that a worksheet. A worksheet that lets you look at, here's what I did in 2017. Because I want to increase by this percentage, here's what I'm going to give in 2018. It's a simple worksheet to help you do the math. We did it as a test. Some of you liked it and you kept asking for it. So we sent it out again. We hope it's a tool that helps you. If it's not, throw it in the trash. But we need you to invest your finances in what Valley is doing. And we need you to be consistent and generous in doing so. Because you giving is the only way we can steward the facilities that God has given us well. You giving your finances is the only way that we can continue to be faithful in giving to and, and committing to the partners that we have. To Impact One and to InterVarsity at Goucher and to, to Grace Life at Towson uh, and to MCC and to the preschool and to the Assistant Center at Towson Churches. The only way we can do that faithfully. And last year, more than 10% of every dollar that came in, I think it was about 12% of every dollar that came in last year was given to our partners. No strings attached. Here you go. Use this as you need. Because we want to be committed to that, but we can only do it if you're faithful. It's also the only way that we can support our ongoing discipleship tools that we've come up with effectively. So we need you to give. And yet here's the truth. Here's the reality as we talk about the church. My money, my time, my gifts aren't enough to sustain Or bring the fruition that our body needs. Your time, your money, your talents are not enough to sustain our body and to bring to it the fruition that Christ dreams for who we are. But the culmination of our resources... The culmination of our time and our talents, as we bring them together, we create a beautiful community. And as this community is being transformed in the fullness of Christ, we become the family that God has called us to be. What's what emotionally healthy spirituality and what we have called the new family of Jesus. And this family... This family dependent on one another, unified in our differences, and committed to Christ, becomes an incredible partner with God as God seeks to redeem all of creation. Which is what we'll talk about next week in our third of the three commitments. Pray with me, would you? Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your commitment to us even when we are less committed to you. Thank you for loving us boldly even when we don't do well. Jesus, thank you for bringing transformation into each of us. 
We ask and we pray that you would continue to do so, that you would transform each and every one of us, that in our lives we would begin to experience, to see, to live out the fruits of the Spirit, that we would begin to exhibit the gifts that you have given us, that you have created in us, some of them new, some of them old, but all of them now brought together for the sake of the church, for the benefit of the family, for the glory of Christ. And God, as we ask this for us as individuals, even more so we ask, though, for the bride of Christ. God, bring transformation in your body. Bring newness and life into valley. And the multitude of local church bodies we could mention up and down the street. Bring transformation and hope and light. Bringing us a willingness to invest all of ourselves in the life of this local body as this is the people we have decided we want to journey forward in faith with. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen.